and your glory today. For we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn your Bibles to Exodus chapter 33. We're going to start in a new chapter today. And just to kind of catch you up on where we've been. Actually, before I do that, a couple of things that didn't make the announcements. It's 6 o'clock tonight over at the Pelletiers. If you'd like to do more, study in the book of Exodus. They're still going through the book of Exodus as well. So join them for that. If you need their information, you can see uh, Mike and Sandy, and they'll tell, tell you where to, where to go. Or how to get there, at least, in the nicest possible way. (coughs) And then we also have Man Up coming up this Tuesday. You got something else? Oh, yeah, the Trunk or Treat's coming up soon. Uh, Don't forget that, but we'll have more information about that next week as well. Uh, Man Up, 7 o'clock Tuesday night in the Fellowship Hall, so I hope you'll join us for those two things. All right. The event that happened last couple weeks, Moses is up on the mountain, they, uh, they figure Moses must have died up there. He ain't coming back. So they decide to make their own God. Remember, they all of a sudden, you know, according to Aaron, he threw a bunch of stuff in a fire and out popped out this, uh, this molten calf. Uh, according to God, and the truth is that he actually told the people to bring stuff. He fashioned it himself, made the calf, and put it out there, and told the people to sacrifice to it. So he broke the first commandment. Thou shalt have no other God before me. While God is penning the Ten Commandments on the rock, they are sinning down below that exact same thing. (laughs) They're carousing and doing all this stuff, and now Moses had gone before God and asked that God would forgive them. They're an obstinate people. They're a stiff-necked people. They're a stubborn people. God even says so, and Moses agrees. Because when Moses came down, he caught them, you know? I don't know if you've ever been caught doing something you haven't been supposed to be doing by your parents, but that sucks when you get caught. And we always try to, you know, you got your hand in the cookie jar. No, it's not my hand, really. <clears throat> and so you're busted. So he busts them, and, and God promises that he is going to destroy the people. God's angry. And Moses goes back to God and intercedes for them, says, no, 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 no. Don't do that. And God changes his mind. Okay, that was all last week. That's where we left off in uh, 32. But now in 33, God promises that and continues to talk to Moses and says, you know what? I'm going to send an angel out before you. We'll read the text in a minute, but just give you a little synopsis. I'm going to send an angel out before you because I can't go with you because I'm so angry right now. If I show up in the camp, I am going to destroy everybody, except you, Moses, because I will make you a great nation. Moses says, hold on a minute. We'll get there in a minute. But that's the, that's, that's the feel of what's going on in the story at this point, in the camp, if you will. There's a true story about a woman who entered, to, entered into a haagen store in Kansas City, Kansas, for an ice cream cone, and after making her selection, she turned and she found herself face to face with a guy standing behind her. The guy was Paul Newman. You guys know who Paul Newman is? Okay. Now, as she was standing there in front of him, he was in a town, you know, he was just there making a movie. The movie was Mr. and Mrs. Bridge. Newman's blue eyes caused her knees to buckle. She managed to turn around, pay for her cone, and then left the shop with her her heart pounding, not believing that she had just met Paul Newman. She gained her composures, but then she realized she didn't have her snow cone. So she went back. She started back into the store to get it and met Newman at the door as he was leaving. And he said to her, are you looking for your snow cone? And she nodded, unable to speak. He says, uh... You put it in your purse with your change. (laughs) You ever been so excited that you just forgot what you were doing? My mom says, and this true story, she was driving up the 605 freeway when it first opened. I mean, this is a long time ago, all right? And she got a flat tire, and she said this guy in a nice automobile came up and parked next to her, parked behind her, and actually changed her tire right? 
You guys remember the move, the, the the TV series I Spy? Yes. Who are the two people, the two stars? Robert Culp and and Bill Cosby. Let's just say it wasn't Bill Cosby. <laughs> Robert Culp changed my mom's tire. That was like her. I mean, and she was dumbfounded. I go, you know, as I got older and I realized who he was, saw him in different movies and stuff, I go, that's the guy. Every time he shows up on a TV screen, you know, he changed my tire. I'm like, well, what did you tell him? What did you say? She goes, I couldn't say anything, but thank you. Did you get his autograph? You signed it on your forehead, anything? No, nothing, nothing like that. She was just so awestruck that he would stop and do that for her. You know, not a nice guy. In the same way today, Moses is struggling because he goes back to God. God relents from destroying the people, but yet God still is not going to go with them. He's going to send his angel to go before them, but he's not going to go with them, and that's not good enough for Moses. And with that desire to have God's presence in his life, to have God's presence to be with the people, because of that desire, Moses takes it a step further. And I hope that's where we're at today. That we take it a step further than just having, hey God, just be with me. No God, I want to see you. I want to know you in the depths of knowing you. Not just the surface knowing you. You're the Almighty, you created everything. Yeah, great. But I want to really know you like I, like I know my best friend. I want to know you that close. Closer than even a spouse. I want to know you. And his desire is a cry out to God. And we'll find out how God responds. <clears throat> Today, if we truly humble ourselves, put aside our own wills, put aside our own selves, and really want to see God, really want to break through and experience God more than just doing church, more than just doing Christianity, actually walking and talking with the living God. We have the opportunity to do that because Jesus said, or no, Jesus did this actually, that the veil before the Holy of Holies was rend in two, was rend open when Jesus died on the cross for you. So now you have access. And how many times throughout our day do we feel like God isn't even around? I don't know about you this morning, but I want to see him. I want to know him and the depths of him more than ever before. Let's take a look at verses 1 through 6 real quick. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, Depart, go up from here, you and the people whom you, here we go again, you have brought out from the land of Egypt to the land which I swore Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying to your descendants, I will give it. Notice that even though he's transferring ownership once again, God is kind of putting an arm out saying, I'm going to keep a little distance from this obstinate people, yet I'm still going to keep my promise. I promise to give them the land of flowing with milk and honey. They're going to get it, but you need to take them there. So he begins with that. Let's continue on. And I will send an angel out before you, and I will drive out the Canaanite, the Amorite, the Hittite, the Perizzite, and the Hevite, and the Jebusite. Go up to the land flowing with milk and honey, for I will not go up in your midst, because you are an obstinate people, lest I destroy you on the way. When the people heard this sad word, they went into mourning, and none of them put on their ornaments. For the Lord said to Moses, Say to the sons of Israel, You are an obstinate people. Go tell them! Go tell them what I think about them. You guys are horrible. I love, I love when God gets real with us. You guys are sinners. Terrible. Gee. You know, he's angry. God gets angry at sin, especially when he's been providing so much good stuff. 
Have you ever, those of you who have children, not so bad when they're young, but when they hit the teen years, OMG. It's, it's beyond, it's this whole thing of like, you owe me. What? I've fed you. I've clothed you. I've made sure you've been educated. I've protected you. I've driven you to who knows where at what hour. Uh, all the, you know, I've done all these things. and I've tried to give you the desires of your heart within reason. Blah, 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 blah. And you have the nerve to tell me that I'm not, because I'm not giving you this one little thing that, you know, Really? Really? <laughs> oh, my gosh. I'm just going back. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's a good thing. There was a time we were disciplining our children. Huh? No, I can tell a story now. No, there was, there was a time when I got so angry one time, I threatened to take everything out of one of the kids' room. I won't, I won't, I won't say who. I was going to take everything out, take all their clothes, just leave them what they had on, take their bed out of the room, every, everything. I, I almost pulled up the carpet. <laughs> and take the door off the hinge. You can't do that. I said, this is my house. That's my carpet. I bought that bed, but I sleep on it. You'll be sleeping outside. <laughs> Seriously. You, this, 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 just, this ungratitude. And here, the children of Israel, what did they just do? Oh, this molten calf has brought us out of Egypt. What? Did you guys not see the Ten Commandments? <laughs> The plagues, they cried out, God heard, I have heard the cry of my people. Yeah, I can't do the James Earl Jones version, but, you know, yes, and he went and he brought them out. He parted the Red Sea. He destroyed the enemies right in front of them. Fed them. They had nothing to eat, nothing to drink. He fed them. He watered them. He took care of them. He even gave them shade in the middle of the desert all day, every day. Uh, let me calm down. What obstinance. And you wonder why they're a stiff-necked people. Why God would say that. Because they were an obstinate people. So no wonder God's mad. I'm mad, and I'm not even there. I'm angry that they would be, they're like, ah. Uh. And so God says, I can't walk with you guys right now. I can't be in the midst of you right now. I need to be separate from you. When the hurt people heard this, they went into mourning. For the Lord said, you are an obstinate people. Should I go up in your midst for one moment, I would destroy you. Now therefore put off your ornaments from you that I may know what I will do with you. So the sons of Israel stripped themselves of their ornaments at Mount Horeb, from Mount Horeb onward. He makes this known to them. And finally, the people respond correctly. Moses gives them a sobering message, and it has a sobering effect. <coughs> they decide, wow, we're in trouble. We're all in trouble. We were all dancing around and having a great time around the calf and getting all crazy, and God didn't like it. Now God is angry. 2 Chronicles 7, 14 says this, If my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and will forgive them of their sin and heal their land. For the longest time, that was the God that I thought was God. An angry God, a mad God. I have sinned. 
and God is just so angry with me that I have become an obstinate person. I don't know about you and your sin, but so that, I think that's a common thought we all have, that we think, oh, no, I blew it. God's going to smush me. If he was here right now, he would just destroy me because I am not worthy to be his son or his daughter. I think that's all in there. And then it says that, but if we humble ourselves before God, he relents, he changes his mind. And then we found out about, we found out with Moses last week, that Moses went back and reminded God of a few things. You remember that? He reminded him of his promise. He reminded him, no, they're not my people, they're your people. You brought them out. You with a mighty hand, he says. He reminds God and puts God back on the pedestal that he belongs on and says, no, we were following you. I was following your instructions. These are your people. And if you destroy them, then destroy me because I'm a part of them people too. And he changes his mind. In the same way, in Daniel chapter 10, verse 12, it says, he said to me, fear not, Daniel, from the first day that you set your heart to understand, to chasten yourself before God, your words were heard and I was sent to you. That was an angel. An angel sent by God to Daniel to restore him, to strengthen him. We have to humble ourselves. If we really want to see the presence of God in our life, you can't be demanding. You can't be demanding. God, show. Show me. Show me yourself. Show me something so I can believe. How many times have you heard that? Oh, if you do this miracle, if you do this thing, oh, then I'll believe. Wow. That's as old as old itself. In fact, it's just, it's just as old because they, they were telling Jesus that too, remember? Oh, if you're the son of God, then uh, command stuff to happen. Yeah, turn the stone into a piece of bread. Here you go. Could Jesus have done it? Of course. He turned water into wine. He could do, he could do it. But he says, why do you guys, even if I turn all the stones into a bread, I make the biggest donut, bigger than the Texas donut at the fair. I mean, I make the biggest donut ever. You guys still won't believe. You won't believe because your, your heart is hard. Your heart is hard. Whose responsibility is it to chasten? God's or ours? It's our responsibility. It says, humble thyselves before the hand of God. Humble thyself. Humble yourself. It's up to you to humble yourself. Nobody else can humble you. God will humble us one day. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. But at that point, it's too late. Because the proud will kneel down because they have to. And there, after they kneel, they will be separated. Then there's the goats and the lambs. The lambs kneel down because they love to. There's a big difference. You ever had to obey somebody because you had to? Did you feel love and care and beautiful flowers and butterflies for them? No, you didn't. In fact, maybe the opposite. You began to hate them. But when we bow down voluntarily, it's a whole different story. We do that out of homage, out of respect, out of love, out of care, out of whatever. But we do it because we want the best for the other person, not for us. We know that God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble, and he hears them. And so here he begins to say, hey, you guys are an obstinate people. Let's continue on. Verse 7, now Moses used to take the tent and pitch it outside the, t the camp, a good distance from the camp, and he called it the tent of meeting. And it came about that everyone who sought the Lord would go out to the tent of meeting, which was outside the camp. And it came about whenever Moses went to the tent that all the people would arise and stand, each at the entrance of his tent, and gaze after Moses until he entered the tent. <coughs> How were they treating Moses before he went to the mountain? Anybody? 
Remember? Yeah. This guy, Moses, this man, Moses, we don't know what's up with him. We don't know. He told, you know, he told Aaron to keep, to keep, keep, take care of the camp and all that. He told Joshua, watch over. Joshua was at the foot of the mountain waiting for him to come back outside the camp. Joshua did what he was supposed to do. Aaron didn't. There was no respect. There was no respect for the leader that brought them forth out of Egypt, that showed great signs and wonders by the power of God, who made his staff turn into a snake, a cobra, and eat the other snakes, who raised up his staff in, over, the, over the Red Sea and parted it. Yes, it was God that did all that, but it was through Moses. It was through his obedience. And they didn't have a whole lot of respect for Moses. He comes down from the mountain. I'm going to go back to the last chapter. He goes down from the mountain. He has the tablets written by the hand of God on the front and on the back. He's walking with these tablets with the Ten Commandments on them, sees the party going on, and he gets angry like God is angry. And he throws them to the foot of the mountain. He just throws them and they shatter into a bunch of people. That's what you're doing to the Word of God. That's what you're doing. That's your obedience right there. Try to put those pieces together. You can't. And he gets angry like God. And he chastens them. And he kills 300 of them. Not him himself, but the Levites do. And he says, make a choice who you're going to follow. And then he goes back up to the mountain to see if God will relent. Because God's still angry. Now, when Moses walks through the camp, there's a whole different vibe going on. Now there's respect. Now there's honor. Moses is walking by. What? Stand up in front of it. Just watch him. Watch him go. Watch him go. There, that's the holy man of God right there. Now it's a whole different ball game. Now that they're under the thumb of God. Now that they know that God's not pleased with them. Now they understand that God is real. We have a real God, folks. We have a real Jesus. We have a, there's a real Holy Spirit. It's not some fake thing that's out there somewhere. It is real. He is real, and he blesses those who he wishes to bless, and he doesn't bless those who he wishes not to bless. It's all up to him. But let me tell you something. Don't think he's not fair. He's very fair. In fact, he's been more than fair to you. Because fair would be a quid pro quo. All have sinned and are worthy of death. That's, what, that's the exchange. You sinned before God. You weren't perfect before God. Sorry. Boom. Death penalty. But he sent his son to die for you. Now you're set free. How is that not fair? How is that not fair? You deserved eternity in hell. How is that not fair? Now you have eternity in heaven. It's definitely not fair to God. It cost him his son. It cost him his love. For God is love. And Jesus loved the Father. We don't think about that as we live out our day. God is our holy Santa Claus, isn't he? He's just there to make our life comfortable, make everything better. He's a holy God. God opposes the proud. When we, he resists, that word proud, he opposes is a resistance there's, a, there's an opposition. You become his enemy when you're proud. Your pride doesn't help your walk with God. Only humility helps your walk with God. Because you know who started pride? Anybody? Lucifer, the devil, Beelzebub, whatever name you want to call him. Satan? Yes. The evil one was the proud one. He was the morning light. He was the great light of God. He was beautiful. He was powerful. The most powerful, supposedly, of the angels. And when he looked at himself, he said, I could be God. I am so awesome. I am so great. Pride came in. 
and he no longer wanted to humble himself before the almighty God. And with a word, he was thrown out of heaven. A word. Just a, not even a snap of God's finger. Wasn't even a hard thing to do. That's how powerful God is. And he was dashed down to the earth. The ultimate end of those who are pride, prideful or have, have pride before God is that they will lose their battle because they have made their enemy God and they will lose. So this stiff-necked people, this hard-necked people, this people that don't want to obey is not just something that happened back in the Old Testament. In fact, in Acts chapter 7, verse 51, it says this, You stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Ghost as your fathers did, so do you. That's in the Acts, the book of Acts. That's modern day for them. In the same way, I say it's modern day for us. God loves you. God wants you. God desires to have a relationship with you. Do you? Do you desire and want and cry out to have a beautiful, connected relationship with God? Or you just want him to bring you presents? Moses goes on and begins to intercede. It says that it came about that whenever Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud would descend and stand at the entrance of the tent. God closes the door by putting his presence before him. And the Lord would speak with Moses. And all the people, when they saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, all the people would arise and worship, each at the entrance of their tent. Now we have the entire camp, 2.something million people, kneeling down, worshiping God when Moses is talking with God when Moses is interceding with God, when Moses is trying to get God to change his mind about being angry at the people. Now they're worshiping. Now they care. Now they're falling down and believing. Isn't it like that with us? Oh, when things get hard, oh, it's easy to bow down, right? When you get bad news, bad health news, bad news in general, oh yeah, when, when, when stuff's happening in your life that you have no control over and it's not what you want and you think, well, where's God? You can see where God is, but now you're worshiping. Now you're praying. Now you mean it. Where were you when the golden calf was flying around in your life? Were you kneeling down then or were you partying? When things were all good and you know, they were giving sacrifices, like Aaron said, bring your sacrifices, bring your fruit, your first fruits, your first offerings, bring that stuff. Were you, were you bringing that to the, to the party? But yet when we ask you to give your first fruits to the Lord, oh, well, you know, I forgot my checkbook. I, you know, I don't have, you know, this week. And well, you don't understand, it was a tough week, and I had to, I had to buy new shoes. Oh, okay. Continues on, and Moses said, I'm sorry, then we go to, thus the Lord used to speak to Moses, verse 11, face to face, just as a man speaks to his friend. When Moses returned from the camp, his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, would not depart from the tent. Then Moses said to the Lord, so Moses is in the tent, <coughs> he's talking to God face to face, but not really face to face with God, because we'll find out why. But he is talking with God, and God's presence is there because the pillar is at, at the door. So he's having a spiritual conversation with God. And Moses says to the Lord, See, thou dost say to me, Bring up this people. But thou thyself hast not let me know whom thou wilt send with me. Moreover, thou hast said, I have known you by name, and you have found favor in my sight. Now therefore I pray thee, if I have found favor in your sight, let me know thy ways that I may know thee so that I might find favor in thy sight. Consider too that thy, this nation is thy people. So Moses now intercedes and he prays. He prays, Lord God, you say you know me. He reminds God. I love that. 
Moses does that a lot. He says, hey, you know what, God? I know you're angry, but let me tell you something about you. <laughs> let me tell you what I know about you. You know my name. You've said so. You brought this people out. You, you did it. You did it. You said it. These are the things that you have said. I remember them. And as he begins to speak with God as a friend, he said, you know what? Consider your people. Consider these people. But I don't really know you know you. We've been talking stuff. We've been talking about, you know, bringing out the people and bringing them back here to the mountain. I did what you called me to do. All of a sudden, now you're telling me how to build a tabernacle and build ways of worship and all. We've been having that conversation. It's all business. It's all about doing this kind of stuff, what to wear, all that kind of stuff, how to do these sacrifices, all that. We've been talking about all that stuff in the last five, six chapters. We've been doing all of that. But now you're angry. And so I really want to know you. If I've really found favor in your sight, I want to know your ways. I want to know how you are. I want to know your love. I want to know your compassion. I want to know your holiness. Because I really know right now is your anger. I want to know the other sides of you. I don't know about you, but sometimes we get one-sided with God. We only know him for one thing. Or we pray. I get the cards all the time. And a lot of the cards are the same prayer over and over and over and over and over and over and over. I understand that. Because they're a concern in your life. That's great. But sooner or later, you've got to ask yourself, God, why aren't you answering that prayer? What do I, what do I not, what am I missing here? You know, I know that the, the scripture says you have not because you ask not. But after a while, if a kid keeps asking and keeps asking and you really know your answer, sometimes you've got to be able to hear the word no and trust that your father knows what he's doing. He continues on and he says, God to Moses, Verse 14, and he said, my presence shall go with you, and I will give you rest. I'm going to go with you, Moses. I'll, my presence, okay, I changed my mind. I said I wasn't going to be with you. I said I wouldn't walk with you guys because I'm so angry. But you know what? You're right. I'll walk with you. My presence will be with you. And I will give you peace because you're in turmoil right now because now you're angry. <laughs> and I will give you peace. Then he said to him, this is Moses talking back to God, if thy presence does not go with us, do not lead us up from here. For how can it be known that I have found favor in your sight and I and thy people? Is it not by thy going with us? I and thy people may be distinguished that I and my people may be distinguished from all the other people who are on the face of the earth. And the Lord said to Moses, I will do this thing of which you have spoken. For you have found favor in my sight, and I have known you by name. Then Moses said, I pray thee then, show me thy glory. <coughs> That's it. He says, thank you, God, for changing your mind. Thank you for being with me. Thank you for not leaving me an outcast. Thank you. Jesus said, and lo, I am with you even to the end of the age. I will never leave or forsake you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, that I'm not alone. Thank you that I'm never by myself. Even in my sin, when I separate myself, when I do what I want to do, when I do my will and not your will, even when that's happening, you don't leave me. Thank you. I am a stiff-necked guy. Thank you that you will relent. And because of that, I want to know you more. Show me you. Show me you. Show me you. When John had his, his vision of heaven, it says he stood in heaven 
And Jesus came up to him and spoke with him. The Alpha and the Omega. It says when he saw him, when he saw his glory, he fell down like a dead man. He passed out. He passed out. This guy was boiled in oil. Didn't pass out. Did you know that? They tried to kill him. And he wouldn't, he wouldn't die. He, didn't, he was fine. All kinds of stuff happened to John. But when he saw the glory of Jesus, when he saw him glorified in all his power, he was a dead man. He just, boom, flat on the ground. And Jesus came and he picked him up and began to tell him who he was. In the same way, we need to ask, Lord, show us your glory. My prayer today is that we would truly walk into a relationship with God where we actually sense his power, his might, his great love, his compassion, and his mercy, and that we would rest in him and not continue on in turmoil because that's not what he wants for his children. You understand that? He doesn't want you to be in turmoil. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, but I know that there's a lot of you in turmoil here today. And God wants you to have rest. But here's the deal. Are you willing to sit in the back seat of your car and let Google drive you around? Are you willing to let Tesla take you out for a spin? Some people are. Some people have no problem with it. Like the engineers who actually did the stuff. But for us who aren't engineers, would we get in the back of that car and let, us, let it drive us? You're putting your life into the hands of a mechanical thing. One little glitch, some Russian over there on his <laughs> zaps us. You know? You're putting your hands into the living God's hands. And scripture says, if we are in the hand of God, what can mere man do to us? Who can snatch us out of there? Who can snatch you out of the hand of God? Nobody. Nobody. Because there ain't nobody bigger than God. And that's what, he, that's what he calls us. You're in turmoil because you have chosen not to put your life into the hand of God. Right there, right then, in that moment, in that thing. Having trouble at work, put it in the hands of God. Having trouble with your children, put it in the hands of God. Trouble in your marriage, put it in the hands of God. Trouble with yourself, put yourself into the hands of God. Trust me. What am I, trust me? Trust him. Trust him. He knows what to do with you. And he will give you the desires of your heart. But you've got to trust in him. Here Moses is saying, Lord, show me your glory. Let me quickly just tell you there's a few things that separate us from that. Number one, what separates us from the glory of God? Sin separates us from the glory of God. You cannot walk in the pureness of his glory when you're dabbling in sin. You can't do it. You can't do it when you really don't believe that he is God. That, he, that he's actually walking with you. That he is actually there. You can't do it. You can't do it by being disobedient. That separates you from God. Jesus says, if you love me, and I love the Father, so therefore, if you love me, the Father will love you. He puts a caveat on there. If you love me, you will obey my commandments. And my commandments will not be burdensome for you. When I was a good boy, and I obeyed my parents, I got good things. When I was a bad boy and disobeyed my parents, I got the chancla. 
and the spoon and that big fork and a spatula and a transmission and whatever else my dad could grab. I think one time he even hit me with my little sister. <laughs> the point is, is you're going to get it. God's not a, oh, go do time out. He's not a time out God, I'm sorry. He hits the punishment that's is meted out because of the crime. It matches. But yet, because of Jesus, he says, I've given you an out. I've given you an out. Because part of having Jesus in your heart, part of having the Holy Spirit living within you, is when you do wrong, you know it. You even know it before you do it. That little voice in your head, oh, don't do that, don't think that, don't. You're like, shut up. That's the Holy Spirit, the hound of heaven. Amen. Nipping at your heels to get you to turn around, to get you to repent, to get you to find the way of escape, as it says in Corinthians. How do we experience his glory? You're asking me probably, like, okay, well, we know all the bad stuff. How do we experience his glory? How can I experience that? Continues on and says this. Verse 19, he said, I myself will make all my goodness pass before you. I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious to, and I will show compassion on whom I will show compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face, for no one can see me and live. Then the Lord said, behold, there is a place by me, and you shall stand there on the rock, and it will come about while my glory is passing by, that I will put you in the cleft of the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will take my hand away and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. How can we truly experience God's presence and God's glory in our life? First, we have to obey his word. If we obey his word, do what he says, go to the rock and stand there. Go do what I've asked you to do. Yes, you found favor. Yes, you have my compassion. Yes, you have my love. Those are promises, folks. You have all those things. Why? Because they come through Jesus. And Jesus sits at the right hand of the power of God. All authority has been given to him in heaven and on earth. He lacks absolutely nothing to take care of you. He's got more than enough to take care of you. I don't care how huge your problems are or how minuscule they are. He's got you. Boom. Done. End of story. That's the way it is. Now, will you do what he asked you to do? Go stand on the rock. Get it? Go stand on the rock. Who's the rock? Jesus is the rock. We even sing a song. He's the rock of my salvation. He's the rock that does not roll. <laughs> yeah, a little Larry Norman there. Go stand on the rock, and when I will do a couple of things. One, he says, first, what am I going to do? First, I will show you something. When it come about, when my... I will first proclaim my name. My goodness shall pass before you. You're going to have goodness. If you humble yourself and do what he tasks you to do, you will have his goodness. How many of you want God's goodness? Yeah, the rest of you, I don't know what's wrong with you. I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. The name of God, the Almighty, will go before you. My friend, my Iranian friend. God's name goes before me, before him. He knows I'm a man of God. He knows I follow after God. So he calls me rabbi. He's not doing it to make fun of me. He does it out of respect. Because we've talked deep, deep stuff. And he knows. He's like Nicodemus. 
He's, he's searching. He really is. And so there's a, there's the name of God will go before you. People will know you by your walk of humility. Then he says what? I will proclaim my name before you, and I will be gracious unto whom I will be gracious to. How many of you want God's grace? Oh, man, do I need it. I need his grace every day. How many of you want his compassion? Oh, I want his compassion too. I want all that stuff. He makes that pass in front of you. He puts it before you for you to have. And how many of you want the hand of the living God to be on you? Seriously. How did Moses get from the rock into the cleft? You understand? Moses didn't move. Moses stood there until God's hand grabbed him and put him in the cleft and walked by him. Wow. Let God move you. You know, you're wondering what to do. What to, you know, you haven't really heard clear, clarity from God. Stand on the rock. Stand on the rock. Keep standing on the rock. But I want to go do this. I want to go stand on the rock. Let God move you. Let God pull out a cleft and put you in it. You know what's in a cleft? Safety. Because no one can see God because he's so powerful. He's so mighty. Our bodies can't even withstand looking at him. That's why you need a renewed body to get to heaven. You need to have a glorified body. That's why John fell down like a dead man. That's why Isaiah, when he went up to see God, fell down like a dead man. You can't see God and live. Physically, you can't do it. So you need a different body to be able to experience the fullness of God. Our brains cannot conceive it. Our bodies cannot take it. So he's got to change us in a twinkling of an eye. And we will be like him, it says. You think the angels are bad? Whoo, wait till you see me. I'll speak with a deeper voice. I don't know. But I'm going to be bad because I'll be above the angels. We have to bow down and allow him to move us. We have to bow down our will to his. As it says in the great prayer of the shepherd, right? The great Our Father prayer. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, may thy will be done in my heart. And in my life, when you say the word in heaven, people jump. Angels are dispatched without incident, without argument, without wondering why. They go as you have told them to go. Lord, may that be our prayer today. Lord, that we would bow our will to thy will. And may it be done in our life. Lord, that we would bow down our plans to your plans. As you say, give us this day our daily bread. That's your plan for our life today. You are the one who provides for us. Help us to look for your plan in our day. And Lord, we bow our life for your life. As the Apostle Paul said, it is no longer I who live, but you who live in me. Lord, may your life shine in me. May you get the glory and the honor and the praise forever. Lord, our prayer and our desire is for having your glory pass before us, that we would experience your hand on our life as you lift us up out of the rock and put us safely in a cleft, that with your hand overshadowing us and, and covering us and caring for us and protecting us. Lord, we need you today. And as we go to a time of prayer, I ask, Father, that you would move in our hearts. That, Lord, if there be anything that keeps us from allowing you to put us in that cleft, from allowing you <coughs> to grab hold of us, if there's any sin that we have harbored, Lord, may we 
renounce it. As you walk by Moses, may we go to the opening of our tents and bow down and worship the God Almighty who has brought us out of our own Egypt. May we truly worship and adore you. Thank you, Lord, for giving us this morning. And I pray if there's anyone here today that doesn't know you, that, Lord, today would be their salvation day. Today would be the day that their heart is moved. They would accept you as their Lord and their Savior. through bright white gates breathing in and out your grace all around me melodies rise that echo with its joy inside though I start to sing I can't sing loud enough I can't sing loud enough When I'm singing for you, my God I can't sing loud enough I can't sing loud enough When I'm singing for you, my God Thunder rolling a brilliant light Your glory bursts in the heavens shine Saints and angels stand in awe Captured by the beauty of it all so I fall to my knees I can't bow low enough I can't bow low enough At the vision of you, my God And I can't bow low enough oh, I can't bow low enough at the vision of you, my God. I can hold it all inside.
I can't bow low enough. I can't bow low enough at the vision of you, my God. I can't lift my hands high enough. Lift my hands high enough when I'm reaching for you, my God. Hello, can you hear me? Um, let me sit down for a second. Um, I'm not a pastor. I'm not a theologian. I'm not a. I'm not a scholar. I'm just one of you guys. I'm a, I'm your friend. I'm a family member here in the church with you guys. And about three months ago, um, Pastor Ernie and I felt led to do something, and and it was led by the Spirit, and, and it was a great success. Um, people came back to me later, months later, and told me how their lives have changed and. We want to try this again. Uh, we fulfilled that, Pastor Ernie and I, that we would do this. And I think you guys um, will be ready for this. Um, we're all going through something. You know, lo um, I want you guys to know that I love you guys a lot. I mean, God has blessed me with putting that inside me as I was a kid. I just, I just love people. And more, my family here. I really love you guys. And um, we're all going through something. I want you guys to think about the things that you're going through right now. Some of us here are looking for a job, are going through a financial crisis. Some of us here have lost a loved one, not only in death, but maybe somebody has walked away from us. A spouse, a, a child, they're going through a tough time. Uh, some of us here are, are struggling ourselves with some type of addictions. Some of us here are, are not walking close to God. Whatever it might be, all of us here are going through something, including me. So I want you to do is, I want you guys to take a step of faith. And um, when I ask you to come forward, I would like you to do that. Because you can always pray they're sitting down. But what you're going to do by coming forward is telling God, here I am, God. I'm going to come forward take a step of faith so you can help me out with what I'm going through and we're going to pray for you no one's going to know what it is but it's only between you and God Pastor Ernie I read earlier that in chapter 17 it said and the Lord said to Moses I will do the very thing you have asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name then Moses said now show me your glory so what you guys are doing is coming up saying, Lord, I want you to know me by name. I want you to see what I'm doing, and then I can answer my prayers. Sometimes God answers the prayers right away, within a day. It could be within a week. It could be longer. But it's okay because we want to trust him. But he will answer our prayers. Sometimes it might not be what we want, but it's going to be what he wants, and he'll show us that. So as um, Lucas plays behind us, I'd like you guys to come forward, come up front here to the altar. If you want to kneel down, kneel down. If you want to sit before the Lord, sit before the Lord. If you want to stand, that's fine, whatever you feel led to do. But come forward, just you and God. And then Pastor Ray and I are going to walk around and just lay hands on you guys. And we're going to go ahead and agree and with you what you're going through in your, in your prayer. Okay? So go ahead. Come forward now. I invite you all. Kneel down, stand, whatever you want. Just between you and God. Praise the Lord.
mountains hill where your blood was spilled my ransom and everything I once held dear I count it all as lost lead me to the cross where your love poured out bring me to my knees Lord I lay me down rid me of myself I belong to you lead me lead me to the Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, for my friends and family, Father God. Please, Lord, bless them, Father. Lord, you see what they've done. They've taken a step of faith. They're coming forward, Lord. 
to ask for help, Lord. I pray, Father God, you know each one's needs, Lord. A lot of us are hurting. Some of us are praying for other people. Father God, we ask that you would just uh, answer our prayers, Father God, in your timing, Lord. But help us to trust you, Lord, to trust you, to put you first, to know, Lord, that you're going to answer our prayers according to your will, Father God. We ask that, Lord, that you would do that. Help us to move, you know, to continue, to never give up, to continue faithfully with you, Father God. And we will get some praise report later from each individual, Father God, what you've done, Lord. We have three more months for the rest of the year, Father God, that we would all finish a year strong, Father God, and you, Lord. So we thank you for my friends, Father God, who I love a lot, Lord, that you're going to do this for them. In Jesus' name, amen. Give the Lord a club offering, guys. Thank you. You can go back to your seats for a second. Thank you so much. Praise you, Lord.